Hey there, and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name's Aaron Sandemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to have with us on the podcast, Lisa Whittle. Lisa is a podcast host. She's an author. She's a very well-known speaker. And we spent some time today just going over her book, Jesus Over Everything. I thought that would be appropriate on this Resurrection Sunday. And so I wish you all a happy Easter and hope that you're enjoying the presence and love of Jesus on this uh, day that we celebrate and are thankful so much for the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. So Lisa and I spent some time talking about, like I said, Jesus over everything. And the reality of it is of Jesus over overanalyzing, Jesus over over apologizing, Jesus over over explaining or overindulging or overworking, and how those impact our life and our walk with him. She talks about the, the realities that we walk in and difference in, in pursuing knowledge and wisdom. And sometimes in our society today, we're so caught up in having to know and what, how that impacts our relationship with Jesus and putting Jesus over half, having to know in this pursuit of knowledge, um, but trusting in, trusting in Jesus, that he'll give us wisdom, he'll give us insight, that he'll give us discernment. Um, one of the other things I really appreciated, um, she talked about the definition of worthy and attractive. And how the, the life of Jesus speaks into that. In our society today, how we place value on something, how we place value on what we want to look like or how we want to act or what is valuable and how Jesus' life speaks into that. And very insightful. I was very challenged by it and just really appreciated Lisa being on the podcast with us today. Do what I ask you to continue to send in your questions for Back Channel with Foth. That's where we sit down with Dick Foth and take a listener answered, uh, listener sending questions. I curate those, put those together. It's always a phenomenal time to sit down with Dick and learn from him. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here with a new friend today, Lisa. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Aaron. Excited to be here. Yeah, it is exciting. So Lisa, I read your book and I've done the, the research on you. So I, I know, I feel like I know a lot about you, um, but probably the people listening into the podcast maybe have not done the research. So will you go ahead and just share a little bit about yourself before we jump into Jesus over everything? I'm always scared when someone says I've done the research. I think, what kind of research have we done? <laughs> no, you never I'm know just, what that just, means. <laughs> no, what I meant the research is, is I, you know, when I have people on the podcast, I, I, I like to find out about them before I have of them on course. the podcast. So read I'm your teasing book. you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, yeah, gosh, Aaron, where do I start? Look, I have been loving Jesus since I was six years old, born into a pastor's family. And um, so, you know, that has its its own sort of identity and sure. identity crisis, let's be honest. Yeah. But, um, you know, just really been in that whole um, faith uh, journey my, my entire life and then um, got married. I have been married for 27 years. Oh, congratulations. Have three, thank you. It is a congratulations. I will accept that. Uh, and then <laughs> have, ha, I have three children. They're, they're grown mostly. I have, we have 25 year old, 22 year old, and then a uh, 20 year old. So the, the younger two are still in college, but, okay. um, yeah, and, and been writing books for, for a while. And so I do that and I, I have a, several ministries that I run, and I have a podcast, and just a lot of things that I get to do for the glory of God. Yeah. What, what gives you excitement, Lisa? Mm. 
You know, I'm excited that the Lord has chosen to allow me to still have breath in my body and, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, be able to, to have another day, another opportunity to honestly grow, grow up a little bit, um, which, you know, is kind of crazy because I'm quite grown at this point, but, you know, (laughs) continue to spread the gospel in, in, in the ways that he's gifted me to do it. Uh, I think, you know, simple things give me pleasure and excitement. I mean, I love, I love, um, I'm a visionary, so I love to see creative works come together. I love to coach people into um, into growth sp- spaces, especially, of course, with the Lord, but also, yeah. you know, even in their own processes, which to me always involves their relationship with Jesus first. And then my family is um, honestly everything to me. I, I love just... Uh, laughing with yeah, them, yeah. yeah. You're 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 a phenomenal writer and um, oh, communicator, thanks. and so that's uh, that's uh, it's an honor to have you with us today. So Jesus over everything. So mm-hmm. you know, my wife and I were talking about it. It's a catchy title, and honestly, the book is phenomenal. So Thank what you. just for a basis, what does Jesus over everything? What does that look like for you? Mm. Honestly, Aaron, this was this was a little bit of a challenge to write. I've been writing mm. for a while, but this book was hard to put into words because, as you mentioned, you know, Jesus over everything is a great, uh, you know, soundbite. But to put that into a, a chapter book is quite difficult. What is mm. that? What does that mean? What does that look like in your daily life? You know, this isn't a Lisa Whittle idea. This is straight from Colossians 1, Colossians 1, 17 and 18, where it says he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And uh, he's the head of the church, the body. He's the beginning and the end. And and, um, in that everything, he might have preeminence, which preeminence, as we know, means first. You know, so so that's that's it. I mean, it is basically Jesus over my desires, my wants, my hopes, my dreams. You know, I've just written a new book called God Knows, which, you know, some people, you can call this sort of a trilogy that I've been writing, a discipleship trilogy for the church, starting with Jesus over everything, the hard good, and now this book, God Knows. It's really kind of three messages that the Lord gave me to disciple to disciple the church yeah. and you know starting with Jesus over everything because for this reason if Jesus is not first if he's not everything if he's not over everything then nothing else really matters mm-hmm. and so even as i was writing and god knows about how god knows your dreams yeah um you know i was thinking we worry a lot about is god you know, does God care about my dreams? Is God involved in my dreams? How do I know if my dreams line up with his or are they going off the rails? And I thought to myself, this is why we come back to Jesus over everything. Hmm. Because when Jesus is in that right priority spot, you don't need to worry so much about your dreams going off the rails because they're under the priority order, right? They're they're yeah. in right ordering. And that's the same thing with decision making. It's the same thing with everything, Aaron. Yeah. If that's taken care of, everything else falls in line. Yeah, it's a good word. Good word. Yeah. One of the things you really challenged me with, you said Jesus does us a big favor when he puts a stop to things that are secretly chipping away at us. Mm-hmm. Could you unpack that a little bit more, What it putting a stop to things that are chipping away at us? Yeah. Well, 
I have a lot of personal experience with this, which I write about in that chapter. I think it's honesty over hiding is the chapter you're referring to. But here's the thing. We, we feel like that. And our instinct is as human being beings to want to hide, to want to hide and not have things exposed because we fear exposure. Sure. Right. Because we think we get comfortable with with things that we've kept hidden. But we also feel like, oh, I know because I've had things exposed before. I know that in that moment of exposure, there will be pain. Hmm. And what we think is and we blame it. We mistakenly blame it on the moment of exposure. We say, well, that moment caused me pain. Oh, I don't want that again. And in reality, it's the sin that causes us pain. Now, there's a sting in the moment of exposure. Certainly, I won't lie about that. There is. But that's not the actual problem. The actual problem was the sin that you've been hiding for 17 years. And one of the things that I always encourage in ministry leaders, in fact, someone interviewed me the other day. They said, what advice would you give ministry leaders, you know, so that they can stay above the fray, or we were talking about having ministry falls. And I said, well, one thing I would say is tell the truth immediately. Hmm. Because when you let that fester, and we we should, we probably all have experience with this, Eric. When you let that fester and it goes on and on and on, and you're hiding something, it not only snowballs, but you live with this, this overwhelming guilt, and now you fear exposure and all these things. And so when the Lord puts a stop to these things that are secretly chipping away at us. I'm telling you, and and by the way, if you're one of the people he puts a stop to it early, you can count yourselves among the most blessed hmm. because he has allowed you to, he's allowed those things to come to light yeah. before they have completely wrecked and ruined your life. Now, you might think that that's the worst, the, the gift you never wanted, yeah. but I can tell you because I've lived this life in particular with my father who went through a very public ministry fall after years of of you know running away and things like that it doesn't do you a favor when those things continue to fester and grow and in order to to grow and be better those things have to come to light yeah and the courage to bring them light to light sooner rather than later any thoughts on that well, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to write that chapter on honesty over hiding and give some practical sure. thoughts to it. Because here's the thing, we are all human. And so what happens is it's like, I don't know, I'm kind of thinking of, you know, we've watched movies before where someone's been in like a dark place and all of a sudden they they open a door and yeah. there's a light and there's like, they're blinded and they're like, oh, sure. I, I, let me put, go back into the dark. Sure. That's how we feel, Aaron, when... When something is being exposed or when we, when we, we we want it, we crave to go back in that dark space because we've been familiar Mm. with it. It feels better. We don't want that, that beam of light to come in. And I just want to say to people, there's a, there is a normalcy to that. Like you are normal for feeling that way, but that doesn't mean you settle for it. That doesn't mean you say, well, you know, that's just where I have to be because it's just more comfortable here. I'm saying, in order to grow and be better, in order for your relationships to go to a healthy place, in order for you and Jesus to be in that 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 space yeah. that you live without those haunting secrets, mm. push through that, yeah, and and know that I'm telling you, yeah, it's normal to feel that way. Yeah, you're gonna want to go back to that space, but don't do it. Yeah, and so that's why I wrote things like yeah. that. I think sometimes we just want to. Pretend that it's not. We we don't have leadership saying 
you know what, I, I see you in that and I've been there. And so we just keep a smile on our face and pretend that we're perfect. Yeah, no, that's good. And you, you've mentioned before, I think in ministry um, that can be highlighted because it's, you know, I, I say I, I normally I like to think I'm better than a dog, but majority of the things in my life I do because I'm rewarded, you know, what I mean, and, right. and, and affirmed. And so the reality of it is. But I think if we can, as you challenge us to do in the church, in ministry, in 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 following Jesus, if we can have a shift where this becomes normal and this becomes celebrated when people tell the truth and tell it quickly, I think um, we can, guys like me who are not much better than a dog, will feel affirmed and it'll become, you know, it'll become who we are and, and natural. And I would you know, my my hope is that 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 we would be model that in the church. You know, that we would be able to do that and um, see that see that change for sure. So yes, absolutely. You, you talk about three things that make our life not work in the long term. Um, I was challenged by all three of these. Um, too many options. Um, one thing about living overseas is you get less options. So that one, was, yeah. But really, too many <laughs> options. My wife always says you get overwhelmed by the cereal aisle when she goes back to the United States. But you get yeah. less options overseas. Um, getting away with something that's not good for us and trying to handle everything ourselves. Um, how did you find that these to be true? I mean, these, these are salient points that have, I've spent a lot of time thinking about, would you maybe just pick one or two of those and and, and share a little bit more about them? Yeah. I realize that I write to a mostly American audience. So I'm always, I, I do always kind of keep that in mind, Aaron, as I'm, as I'm writing, I know, and I was even thinking about talking to you today and, and speaking to missionaries who are in, in other places sure. that that you have less options when you are overseas. And I think, you know, even though that is um might seem like not a blessing, uh, it is a blessing. And I'm sure, sure. you recognize it as such yeah. as well, because there is this overwhelmed culture that mm. we as Americans especially live in. Uh, and I think that is one of the the, the detriments to mm. The fact that we have so many options, we are in an epidemic of overwhelm, hmm. and we have thought that more and more options was the answer to our problem of restlessness, right? Let's just say, no way. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll just give an example for people who might relate no matter where you are. You know, one of the things that we have thought is, if I could just have a day if I could have a day on my calendar that was completely to myself, I could have whatever I want, like a day of nothing to do. There was nothing to do on my calendar. I would suggest from my own life that when that happens, I'm worse off because the the kiss of death is a wide open calendar. You, mm. you literally, because you waste most of your time yeah. because you have a wide open calendar. Perhaps it's because we've gotten used to being so busy. I, I can also understand that. Sure. But I also think it's because we have so many options of what to do. We, we could yeah. do this. We could do that. We could perhaps. So I, I actually don't think um, to so many options. And I think it's a the causation of it is we just want to be more self-indulgent sure. if we want to really peel the onion back. So that's that's one of the problems. Obviously, we've already talked away. We've talked about getting away with something that is yeah. not good for us. I think we could we've already made a sure. case there. And then I think trying to handle things for ourselves. This is the universal problem of humanity. Hmm. We are always trying to handle things for ourselves. Yeah. This was what was interesting to me when I began to research for the book God Knows, right? So I'm I'm researching the fact that 
God breathing into Adam his the ruach the breath of life mm-hmm. right and he became nephesh living soul and in that moment there created this relationship of reliance mm-hmm. that was what was meant to be yeah. and since that moment humans have been fig- trying to figure out a way to get out of that yeah and so it's weird because we 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 know we are supposed to trust and do p- depend on God. And yet we don't really like the reliance part because, and yeah. I speak from experience because I'm a very, I'm a huge independent. Sure. So I'm always wanting to say, I want to trust and obey God, but really I do want to mm-hmm. figure out a way to do it myself in the interim because God is too slow because mm-hmm. God doesn't answer things in the way that I prefer. So it, there, therein lies the problem. And we all are created with a limitation. We, we are, we are a limited human, uh, human society. Sure. We were created with capacity and that's sure. the way God set it up. So when we try to handle things ourselves, there's always a problem. And even the strongest, the most capable human being, whoever that is, I don't know who it is, but there's someone that is the most capable on this earth that is human. There will come an end to that. And so trying to handle things ourselves always goes wrong. Yeah. No, and you know, I think one of the things living overseas, my uh, dependence on myself that that came to a quick end, um, <laughs> and, and you know the you know but no I'll be honest with you I mean I, I went to Burkina Faso thinking hey I'm, I'm strong I'm independent I'm an American um, yeah. or, you know I, I thought I was semi intelligent um, you know and you think that you can but when you come up to you realize everything spiritual when you come up in spiritual battles you realize you don't have the strength and I think the challenge for me is honestly Lisa. I recognize that, you know, trust is, we get trust by trustworthy behavior and God's mm-hmm. behavior, his actions are trustworthy. You know what I mean? Yeah. But somehow that idea that I, 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 I want to surrender it to him, but I take it back. And it, I think I'd be smart enough to know that, but West Virginians are smart are, are hardheaded and I'm a West Virginian. <sighs> so maybe that's part of it. I don't it's know. It's not just West Virginians, by the way, <laughs> I'm a Texan and I can tell you Texans are definitely hardheaded. Uh, so I don't think it's so regional, it's, but it's a, <laughs> But it's a, it is a challenge, and it's one of those paradoxes of life because he is faithful and he's loving and he's kind and he's generous. At the same time, I just continue find myself trying to pull things out and trying to control outcomes, which uh, yeah, I can't control. So absolutely, the idea of, of you talk about the deadly overs, over apologizing, yeah. over explaining, over analyzing, overworking, overindulging. Yeah, would you share just a, about a few of those? Those were super insightful for me also. Yeah. Well, those things for me, first of all, they're autobiographical. I mean, Mm. you know, I've been all of those things at one time or another. Sometimes I've been them simultaneously. Sometimes I've exchanged one of them for another. You know, they're behaviors that we do and and we we obviously I put a name to them because mm-hmm. I thought that it was very important to explain to people what they were yeah. in an effort to uncomplicate our lives. So our mm-hmm. our lives and our relationships become complicated, right? Yeah. And in an effort to uncomplicate them, we think, and this is trying to do things ourselves, right? Sure. We just name that. We attach a behavior to it. 
and we don't really think about it. It's usually what we've been doing our whole life. Um, it's kind of our MO. And so some of us, it's overworking. Yeah. Some of us, it is over explaining. Some of us, it is the endless over analyzing as we have someone text us or we lie in bed and we overthink, overthink, overthink. Some of us, it's over apologizing. Some of us, it is um, overindulging where we're, mm-hmm. you know, we have a behavior that we are numbing out to all the time. And again, sometimes it's more than one. Sometimes it, we exchange one for the other. But it is the thought process that we think, okay, my relationship right now with this person is on the rocks or on the rails. And and because I'm afraid, I don't believe that God is enough or mm-hmm. God can sort of handle and manage this for me, even though I've given him my life, even though if 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 maybe I were to pray in this moment and ask him to help me maneuver this really tricky situation with this person, I'm instead going to try this behavior that I'm used to doing, which is I'm just going to over-explain myself. Hmm. You know, I'm just going to kind of try to do that. And we just end up talking it to death and we end up making the matters worse. I mean, (laughs) I'm telling you, I speak from experience. I've done this. Or we over-apologize. And, you know, over-apology is one of those things that women do all the time. We apo- okay. we over apologize for maybe our gifts. Mm-hmm. We over apologize for um honestly, we offer apologies for things that we don't need to apologize for because mm-hmm. we we mistakenly think that it's the real thing when there mm-hmm. are things that sit dormant that we actually need to apologize for. So mm-hmm. please make the distinction between actual apology here yeah. and over apology, which is a behavior that we do Honestly, in an effort to people, please, to make people love us. And and it Hmm. has nothing to do with actual contrition. Hmm. So over-apologizing for women using their spiritual gifts. Yeah. Man, that's... Huge problem. Huge problem. It is because, obviously, God gives each of us spiritual giftings, and He doesn't give them out willy-nilly. He gives them specific for each person. And, man, we definitely need women. um, and, And so... Can you share just a little bit? That stuck out to me as you just shared that. You share, yeah. Because it seems like that's something you're passionate about. Would you maybe well, share a little bit more about it? Yeah, I'm happy to. You know, I um, the 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 thing the, the interesting thing is, you know, I think I think we arrive at this as women. I think we are women in our culture. We can go two ways with this, Aaron. Okay. We can either live with a chip on our shoulder about ways that we have been limited or ways that we felt that we haven't been included or invited. Or we can live with a really healthy view of this and say, Lord, this is real. This is true. I feel like I, I maybe haven't been invited or included or, you know, maybe denominationally even, you know, I come from a Baptist background. I, I'm just be very frank here. You know, when I was growing up and I had all these gifts and, and abilities that were, um, not always uh, warmed to in my denomination in a way that I felt that I could use them. Uh, that was very confusing to me as a young mm. woman. I really took into my spirit that perhaps I was created wrong. And mm. so, I, you know, you just don't fully understand that. And I think there's, there are a lot of women. And again, this, this, I've seen this a lot in, um, along denominational lines. And I'm, sure. I'm not dogging on the Baptist here. I, I love my heritage and, sure. and I think we do a lot, many things right. But I think in this regard, um, it's been difficult for women. It's been very confusing. It's been very sure. stifling. And so 
I think what's important here is that we 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 don't we don't go with any type of chip on our shoulder, but we say, hey, this this has been real for me and this has been mm-hmm. true. I also know that what I believe biblically is that um there was there was a real honor put not put on women as with all uh, uh, mankind yeah. and uh the Lord wants me to use my gifts and talents. Sure. That's clear. And so I move forward in that, and I do not waste time on uh, apologizing even, not even over-apology, but I don't waste time on apologizing to people for the way that God has gifted me and the way He's called me. Hmm. So I certainly would say that someone who is who is over-apologizing yeah. for the way that God has gifted you and God has called you, um, I would encourage you to step away from that and to really do some good soul work with the Lord to move forward with your gifts because uh, we, we don't have time. We, th- there is far too much to do to get in our heads about what's been in the past, yeah. but also to to worry about um, how other people view how God has called us. Yeah, For sure. And yeah. so as a friend, so um, we're friends and you hear me over apologizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how can a friend respond in love and kindness and truth to someone that they feel is over apologizing and maybe hindering them. Uh, maybe hindering is not the right word, yeah. but yeah. Any thoughts on how we can respond in a Christ-like friendly way and not, you know, smoothing. Cause I think it'd be easier just to smooth it over and pretend, you know, I mean, at least for me, I try to avoid conflict or, yeah. or, or difficult conversations. But at the same time there, if I'm a true friend, I would say, Hey, I recognize this. Any, any thoughts on how we can do that in a loving way? I think it would depend on your relationship, first of all. I think okay. um, we need to read the room when it comes to our relationships. I sure. think we don't, we need to make sure that it is a relationship that of trust, that you have yeah. earned that right Yes. Um, to speak into someone. So I'd be careful there. I think we're really good, good at, um, you know, just kind of saying, you know, saying, hey, I, I think you need to do this and that. <laughs> I think we need to earn the right to do that because that, that is a tough, that's a tough yeah. conversation to have. A lot of times, first of all, people don't recognize that they're doing it. So that can be very jarring. I also think I would read the room again in the Hmm. sense of wondering if that was the right moment to say it, or if I would sit on it until I had um, maybe some, uh, a brief, like if they were, if they were over apologizing in that moment, I, I might there, it would, I would have to be the situation. I would either perhaps say, you know, um, you don't you don't need to apologize for this. I sure. listen, I'm blunt. So there's, there's there's times that I've said that this is not this is not an apology sure. um necessary moment. Okay. Uh don't you don't need to do that. And and really that's enough said. Uh, I don't know that it's time for a lecture. Sure. Or um there might be when I really feel like it's a pattern for them, when yeah. I've seen it happen over and over, I think I might let the moment uh just sit yeah. and I think I might send them a longer uh, either a text or I probably would send them a voice memo, to be sure. honest, where they can hear my voice and say, hey, I just want to talk to you about this for a minute. I've noticed this before. I love you. And I just want you to know that that this is this is something that you want maybe want to take a look at. So yeah, that's good. I think I might do that uh, in a little bit more profound way. Yeah, yeah. no, I appreciate it very, very much. You you share about the idea of needing to change our definition of what's truly worthy and attractive. Mm-hmm. And you fascinating to me about how you Jesus's life speaks into this. Could you yeah. just uh, share some more about that for us? 
Yeah, well, especially in, in American culture. I mean, I think we all have, you know, the, the, the culturally attractiveness is is on a scale, right? Or it's, right. It's, it's there's a different kind of attractiveness in, in different cultures. You know, certainly in America, we are in a culture of uh, perception. It's, mm. you know, it's a very interesting times that, that we live in. We are a culture obsessed with outward beauty, um, but all of that is is smokescreen to a great degree anyway, because we live with filters and uh it's it's just it's become obsessive and oh it's it's so sad to watch. And so what within that, and in whatever culture that you live in, but within that there is this piece of striving. Hmm. So so here you have the attractiveness uh and and how we are always striving for this. And yet everything that, that Jesus is, everything that is about God and godliness and the kingdom of God, it is all about the inner process of sanctification. It is all mm-hmm. about his own life that he modeled. It is all about truth from the inside out. It is all about that. Hmm. And um, within that, the what what is produced is peace and joy and love and all of these things. I mean, fruit of the spirit, right? And uh, it is the opposite of striving. Hmm. And and so, while we watch a culture go off the rails, and and yeah. and scratch and claw to try to preserve ourselves Mm. and to try to um, find ourselves. It is all about a body even that is meant to be wasting away. We we were never meant to self-preserve. We were Mm. meant to lose more of ourselves. We were meant to die because in that we live. And, you know, Jesus himself modeled this. He modeled giving himself away. He modeled dying. He modeled um, a life of sacrifice. And we don't even begin to understand it. I can't even, I still can't understand it even as I say it. But what I do know to be true is that if this cultural idea of attractiveness worked, we would all be much happier Hmm. We would all be much more fulfilled. We wouldn't need more of yeah. everything to try to maintain. Yeah. And it never makes anyone happier. On the other side, the life of fullness is found in the inward process of becoming more beautiful yeah. as modeled by Jesus. Yes. And uh, yeah, this is very challenging for me. I, I think it would, as I said, you're creative in the way you write and the way you com- communicate. And I think it was, I don't know if it was the way you worded it or whatever, but it was not something that I really had. Um, yeah, I grew up in the church, I, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, but it was not that I, when it came to worthiness and attractiveness, it was not something that I had really pondered or thought about. And honestly, until I encountered it in your book. So it was something that really, really jumped out to appreciate me and, that. and appreciated it. The idea of not having to stick with anything if we don't feel like it. Um, mm. how, how how does that how does that impact us? Well, I think it has a layered impact. I think okay. it impacts us personally. It impacts our witness, and it impacts our relationship with the Lord. So I'll start <laughs> with us. Yeah. Um, 
I think that um, we have commitment issues. I know we do. So the lack of commitment issues takes a toll on our soul. Uh, when we don't have to stick to anything, then we don't have to commit to anything. And lack of commitment issues makes us mistrust other people. It also um, has us knowing that inside our soul, there's sort of this um, distrust of ourselves even. Like, I, I know that I'm not actually going to ever commit to this whatever, this exercise regime this i won't actually ever commit to it like and so there's there's honestly a distrust of our own soul it's a skepticism that we live with it it does not feel good to never be a committed person that actually feels terrible um we lose trust with other people Mm. as well um if if you've ever encountered a person that is willy-nilly and they never stick to anything, that is not a person that you actually <laughs> regard much, right? They, they're not going to show up. They're not going to yeah. do this and that. On the other hand, when you meet a committed person, not only are they a unicorn, but you're you're just <laughs> you like you like them. They're you're like, sure. oh, they're gonna actually show up for this. Yeah. Man, I don't know who they are, but I, I give them my firstborn. Like I, I, I like them so much, right? Because they're they're so they're so unique in this day and time. We don't have people like that. Um, I'm fascinated with people who are committed. I, I'm telling you, if from I studied the the martyrs uh, of the Christian faith when I wrote a book some years ago, and I just thought. And that's extreme commitment. But to me, I just, I admire people that are that committed to what they say they believe. Um, Even as I'm speaking to missionaries, like, it thrills my soul to be able to do a podcast like this because the commitment level... I appreciate that. I know I know your your regular people with with sin and and issues and all of that. I I have no false pretense of that. But, you know, the commitment to do things that others won't do, I appreciate so much. Uh, Also on the, on the, on the, on the Jesus, on the God um, scheme in that, on that level, which is the most important, obviously, is we rob ourselves of longevity with the Lord. And then I don't mean we're Mm -hmm. not going to, we're going to lose our relationship, please. We we don't lose our relationship with the Lord. What I mean is we rob ourselves of the joy of the fullness of enjoying that relationship that comes with the longevity of staying close okay in that committed relationship with the lord so you're not going to lose your relationship with the lord is my belief yeah. and you're so it's not like jesus is going to go away he's not you're going to be the only one to walk away if you have commitment issues you're still gonna you're still gonna be going to heaven, but you're gonna rob the fullness of what you could be enjoying with the Lord in that relationship because you're gonna be running off here and overindulging and numbing yourself when you and the Lord could really be going to deeper levels with yeah. with Him and you could be enjoying more joy and more growth and all yeah. of these things. So it has a lot of things that happen. Yeah, and it's. Wow. It's, it's challenging. And yeah, for, for sure, for sure. And, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of looking into loyalty and, and how loyalty impacts our family and how it impacts caring. And that's, that's one of my passions is caring and how we care for others. 
but it, I think it comes alongside this this idea of being committed, being loyal. And um, my son and I were watching a, uh, a show the other night, and they kept saying the guy was loyal to a fault. And you know, in our discussion, said I said that's abnormal because today, loyal to a fault, it's it's become something that's negative. And in reality, right. you know, there can be some negative connotations to it. But majority of people, that's not their struggle. It's just being loyal at all, let alone being yeah. loyal to it. Let, let alone being loyal, loyal to a fault. So yeah, that's true. You talk about just one more question for us. You talk about the idea of pursuing knowledge and a pursuit of wisdom, and you differentiate yeah. between the two of those. Could you just share about that for a few minutes? Yeah, I mean, listen, knowledge is great. Uh, I'm into it. I like it. I think it's wonderful. We should we should know more things. Sure. Um, and I will say, I dive a lot more into this than God knows, because okay. I'm talking about the difference between our knowledge and God's knowledge, which is obviously on a completely different plane. But there is there is a limit to our knowledge, as we know. And and here's what's happened in our in our society, I think. I think we have we have held our knowledge up as the as the pinnacle. As mm. if we if 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 we just know enough, mm. that will help us do all manner of things. That will stop tragedy. That will I'll be able to ease my mind of yeah. of 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 all the the madness and everything. Like knowledge is the thing. I believe it is is become an idol in many ways. Okay. Like I just need to know. What I will tell you is one that's false. Um, it it, it literally is has become idolatry in some ways, but. I also believe that we can have textbook answers. We can be the, again, I'll say, the, the, there's a smartest person in the world. I don't know who they are. They have the most knowledge of anybody. And yet, there is an application of that, mm. of, of what we know, that is a deeper level and how to apply that knowledge. And the pursuit, the better pursuit which is the discernment uh, when to act, when to respond, yeah. how to walk. Listen, yeah. Aaron, I have known smart people. I mean, way smarter than me, which doesn't take that much. But I'm just going to tell you, a lot, lot smarter than me. But were they wise? Mm. Far shorter list. Because the wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit, by That's which good. you know when to walk, when to speak, when to, we got a lot of smart people in this world that have no clue yeah. when to speak out and when yeah. not to speak out. And they are running amok and they're running the, the Lord's name into the ground. And they, they don't have, they've run relationships into the ground. So I'm just going to tell you. I want you to know things. I want you to be properly educated. I want you to to have a working knowledge of, you know, uh, of what, you know, what medicine to put on your body sure. and all of those things. Like knowledge is good. Yeah. But it but it, it is not the same as getting wisdom from mm. the Holy Spirit to know how to walk and what decisions to make because you're going to need wisdom in your life. This world is getting harder and harder and raising children. And, and I don't care what corner of the world you go to. You are never going to be devoid of problems and complications and, and knowing how to 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 do decision making and sure. troubleshoot. Yeah. And so you're going to need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to know what to do and so th there's a, there's a a vast difference there. I appreciate your emphasis on wisdom and discernment. 
And even as I asked you the question back in, in early in the podcast about, about sharing when someone was over apologizing, you said, hey, you need to walk in that with discernment. You need to mm-hmm. read it. And you began yeah. to outline that decision. And so I really appreciate your emphasis. Um, you know, I think for me, knowledge is something of control. And so I, and, and yeah. you can know, you can know Good the point. weather, you can know, you can know anything yeah. about pretty much anything, either YouTube or Google. Um, but at the same time, I have to ask myself, am I doing this because I'm trying to control? Um, yep. or am I, and where is my trust in, in God? One, uh, one last thing. I remember one of my friends told me one time we were raising our kids. He said, you know, if I have to explain to my child to, why they need to do something. He said, they're really not trusting and obeying. They're actually, um, they're using their logic to decide. And he mm-hmm. said, you know, sometimes in my relationship with Christ, it's the same way. You know, it's, if I have to understand it and, and all the parts of it, really, I'm not trusting God. I'm not obeying God. I'm yeah. trusting Aaron's logic, which is obviously fla- fa- flawed um, uh, to, yeah, the, to, sure. the, to the extreme. So Lisa, yeah, will you pray for good. us? Will you pray for us today? I'd love to. I'd love to. Father, I thank you so much for uh, just the opportunity to get to talk about you today. I thank you that you are in all things, you are before all things, and in you all things hold together. I thank you that you are the great connector of all of our hearts across the miles. God, that you are just um, truly holding this entire world in your hands that there's nothing that is of surprise to you. There is nothing that is too big for you that you know of our vast needs. We, we don't We don't even have to utter them, God, that you know what's on our hearts. This very moment, every single one of us, uh, my brain cannot contain the understanding of that. But I, I, I trust you in that. And I thank you so much that you love us so deeply that you have a good plan, uh, that, that things are not spinning out of control despite what it looks like. And God, I just pray for each person listening that they would have a renewed hope, a renewed perspective, renewed joy, a renewed peace that you, in fact, know all, that you are not surprised by anything that happens, that you love them that you are caring for them, that you are truly holding them all together. And I, I pray, God, that we would love you the most. I pray that we would give you our all every day of life and that we would remember that this is this is a temporary stopover, that this is not nearly the best life yet, and that we would continue to bring others to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So thank you for this time. Bless Aaron and uh, bless the work of the hands of those listening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.